Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Hello, my name is David Obelts and today is Tuesday, July 11th, 2023. It has been 3,422 days since Russia occupied the Crimea Peninsula on January 27, 2014, and one year and 136 days since Russia expanded its war of aggression against Ukraine. The final version of the Vilnius Summit communique issued by NATO heads of state and government participating in the meeting of the North Atlantic Council in Vilnius has been released. It is 90 paragraphs, and most don't directly or indirectly reference Ukraine. This will cover the sections where Ukraine is mentioned. In the interest of brevity, there may be some oversimplification. By the way, in the podcast description, there is a link that you can go to if you want to download a PDF copy of the Vilnius memo that was released by NATO. Let's go ahead and just jump right into this. So paragraph two. It welcomes Ukrainian President Zelensky, as well as leaders and representatives from Australia, Japan, New Zealand, South Korea, the European Union and Council, Georgia, Moldova, and Bosnia-Herzegovina. Paragraph 5 states that the peace in the European Atlantic region has been, quote, shattered, unquote, and Russia is to blame. It declares the Russian Federation as the most significant and direct threat to the Allies' security. Next one is paragraph seven, and I'm going to read the opening quote to this. Russia bears full responsibility for its illegal, unjustifiable, and unprovoked war of aggression against Ukraine, which has gravely undermined Euro-Atlantic and global security, for which it must be held fully accountable. Paragraph seven goes on to condemn Russia's violation of international law, the UN Charter, and OSCE commitments. It declares Russia's annexation illegal and unrecognized, including Crimea. It also states, quote, all those responsible must be held accountable for violations and abuses of human rights and international humanitarian law, particularly against Ukraine's civilian population, including the forced deportation of children and conflict-related sexual violence. The destruction of the Kapkova Dam highlights the brutal consequences of the war started by Russia. Russia's war has had a profound impact on the environment, nuclear safety, energy, and food security, the global economy, and the welfare of billions of people around the world. Allies are working to enable exports of Ukrainian grain and actively support international efforts to alleviate the global food crisis. Unquote. The next one is paragraph eight. It calls for Russia to immediately stop its illegal war of aggression, cease the use of military force in Ukraine, and unconditionally withdraw from all occupied territories. It calls for the recognition of international borders. It also states that Belarus's support has been, quote, instrumental, and the nation continues to provide support to Russia and its war of aggression. Additionally, it calls for Iran to end its, quote, complicity. Paragraph 9 indicates support for Ukraine's 10-point peace plan and blames Russia for not showing, quote, any genuine openness to a just and lasting peace, unquote, in its negotiations. 
It also welcomes the support of the United Nations General Assembly for its efforts to promote a comprehensive, just, and lasting peace in Ukraine. Paragraph 10 goes on to reaffirm unwavering solidarity with Ukraine and support for the nation's right to self-defense and that NATO will continue to provide support, quote, for as long as it takes. Paragraph 11, this is the important one. It states full support for Ukraine to forge its own security agreements outside of NATO, adding that Ukraine's future is in NATO. It waives the NATO requirement for Ukraine to create a membership action plan. While it states that, quote, Ukraine has become increasingly interoperable and politically integrated with the NATO alliance and has made substantial progress on its reform path, unquote, it is clear that NATO does not believe enough has been done. It says ongoing reforms that have been done in line with the 1997 charter of a distinctive partnership between NATO and Ukraine and the 2009 amendment, adding that allies will continue to support and review Ukraine's progress on interoperability as well as additional democratic and security sector reforms that are required. It then goes on to state, and this is the really important sentence, quote, we will be in a position to extend an invitation to Ukraine to join the alliance when allies agree and conditions are met, unquote. We will definitely be coming back to paragraph 11. The next one is paragraph 12. It establishes a NATO-Ukraine council as a joint body of equals to, quote, advance political dialogue, engagement, cooperation, and Ukraine's Euro-Atlantic aspirations for membership in NATO, unquote. It will provide for joint consultations, decision-making, and activities, and will also serve as a crisis consultation mechanism between NATO and Ukraine. The next one is paragraph 13. It agrees to extend and expand the non-lethal comprehensive assistance package to Ukraine as a multi-year program with short, medium, and long-term goals. Next one is paragraph 16. It condemns Russia's modernization of its nuclear weapon stockpile and the development of dual-use weapons that can target civilians and their infrastructure. It also condemns the forward deployment of tactical nuclear weapons in Belarus and Russia's continued threats to use nuclear weapons. Paragraph 25. This calls on the People's Republic of China to condemn Russia's war of aggression in Ukraine, to use its power on the UN Security Council, and to stop amplifying Russian propaganda. It also calls on China to, quote, abstain from supporting Russia's war effort in any way. Now we jump all the way to paragraph 63. This one recognizes the emerging disruptive technologies on the battlefield and the adaptation of commercially available products to be used in warfare as demonstrated by Russia's war of aggression against Ukraine. This is largely talking about drone warfare and how fast that this is accelerating. NATO will make investments to integrate new technologies and explore dual-use solutions. It also establishes funding for research and development in the areas of artificial intelligence and autonomy, quantum technologies, and, quote, Biotechnology and human enhancement, unquote. Russian propagandists are going to go wild with that last sentence. Paragraphs 74 and 79 discuss the security of Europe and the Black Sea, both broadly 
and in the context of Ukrainian sovereignty. And then finally, paragraph 84 declares Iran's support of Russia is impacting Euro-Atlantic security and expresses, quote, serious concern, unquote, about Iran providing UAVs to Russia. Let's move to assessment. Ukraine is not happy and has expressed frustration with the final version of the communique and the non-commitment from NATO. Before the NATO communique was finalized and released, President Zelensky wrote on Twitter, and I quote, We value our allies, we value our shared security, and we always appreciate an open conversation. Ukraine will be represented at the NATO summit in Vilnius because it is about respect. But Ukraine also deserves respect. Now, on the way to Vilnius, we've received signals that certain wording is being discussed without Ukraine. And I would like to emphasize that this wording is about the invitation to become a NATO member, not about Ukraine's membership. It's unprecedented and absurd when time frame is not set neither for the invitation nor for Ukraine's membership, while at the same time, vague wording about conditions is added even for inviting Ukraine. It seems there is no readiness neither to invite Ukraine to NATO nor to make it a member of the alliance. This means that a window of opportunity is being left to bargain Ukraine's membership in NATO in negotiations with Russia. And for Russia, this means the motivation to continue its terror. Uncertainty is weakness, and I will openly discuss this at the summit. Zelensky later told a cheering crowd in Vilnius, and again I quote, Today I embarked on a trip here with faith in decisions, with faith in partners, with faith in a strong NATO, in a NATO that does not hesitate, does not waste time, and does not look back at any aggressor. And I would like this faith to become confidence, confidence in the decisions that we deserve, all of us deserve, and every warrior, every citizen, every mother, every child expects. And is that too much to expect. That's the end of that quote. The primary issue is paragraph 11. We will be in a position to extend an invitation to Ukraine to join the alliance when allies agree and conditions are met. While the document references the 2008 NATO summit in Bucharest and the 1997 Charter of Distinctive Partnership between NATO and Ukraine and its 2009 update, no roadmap was provided on what needs to be done to meet conditions. In our assessment, Ukraine has a very valid argument. Ukraine is not the same country it was in 1997 or 2008 or 2009. And all of that is before Russia's armed invasion and occupation of Crimea. There is no question that Ukraine needs to continue its path of reforms that started in earnest in 2019. The political, economic, and military transformation in the last 18 months has been remarkable. Considering the nation is at war, under martial law, and having to make society-level changes while its people fight for its existence, we have documented Ukraine's work in rooting out corruption, which is accelerating. The statement from NATO is too vague. It doesn't even establish a path for creating clear and specific goals and timelines. For example, all of this could have been solved 
I wouldn't even be recording this podcast right now if it had just included another sentence declaring that a set of clear conditions will be established and jointly agreed upon. Is every member of the armed forces of Ukraine trained and capable to the pure level of NATO members? No. Are there tens of thousands of soldiers who are at NATO peer level with almost a decade of combat experience? Absolutely. And compared to some other NATO nations that have not met financial or training commitments for decades, this must be disheartening for Kyiv. Kyiv and its government are quick to point out that the NATO-Ukraine Council is just that. It's a council for more talk. After the Budapest Memorandum convinced Ukraine to give up its nuclear weapons capabilities in exchange for security guarantees, the 2008 NATO-Budapest Memorandum, Minsk I and Minsk II, Kyiv is tired of councils and talks. People are dying. While Russian propagandists and the Kremlin are focused on making completely empty threats at Sweden, today's non-decision is a win for Moscow. Russian President Vladimir Putin has never been weaker during his almost 24 years in power. We willingly acknowledge that NATO officials know vastly more about Russia's capabilities and posturing of its forces, including nuclear, than any analyst in the public domain will know. But while other nations such as Turkey and Finland are metaphorically extending a middle finger to the Kremlin this week, other NATO countries continue to believe that there's a path of appeasement. Moscow sees appeasement as weakness. And there's nobody that knows this better than the Ukrainian people. We have repeatedly assessed the best way to deal with a playground bully is you punch him in the nose. That is a metaphor, not calling for NATO to enter a kinetic war against Russia. NATO and the Western allies need to stand up to their aggression. Why can't Ukraine join NATO as it is? The NATO charter is quite clear that any nation under war or occupation cannot join NATO until the war and occupation is over and all disputes on the territory have ended. Whether Georgia or Moldova have NATO aspirations, Moldova has repeatedly said no publicly, neither nation could start the process if they wanted to, as they both have disputed territories under Russian occupation. What about Germany? Wasn't East Germany occupied? East Germany and the division of Berlin were internationally recognized. At the time West Germany ascended into NATO, it was not at war with the Soviet Union and by the UN Charter and under international law was not occupied. And the situation in Ukraine is distinctly different. But just because a NATO member asks for Article 5, doesn't mean the alliance has to say yes. If MAP can be waived for Ukraine, can't the non-aggression part be waived too? While that's an interesting argument, we can only provide a hot take. If a nation under war is allowed accession to NATO, but can't invoke Article 5 because it's already at war or occupied, then what's the point? In our view, it could further blur the lines and make it more difficult, not easier, to make an Article 5 decision if Russia were to strike a current NATO member. NATO is a defensive organization, not an offensive one. The bigger issue is clearly defining what Ukraine must do. This is why President Zelensky is legitimately unhappy. It isn't clearly spelled out what conditions need to be met. And without that, the goalposts can just repeatedly move. 
Continuing with assessment and opinion. In 2001, the Bush 43 administration started to embark on a plan to reduce the size of the United States military further. For reference, in 1987, 32% of the United States federal budget went to defense spending. In 2001, it had already dropped to 19.5%. On June 16, 2001, in Slovenia, during a joint press conference with then-President George W. Bush, a reporter asked Russian President Vladimir Putin if he could be trusted. Here's what happened. Can we trust Russia? I'm not going to answer to that. I could answer, I could ask the very same question. Uh, I'll answer the question. I looked the man in the eye. I found it to be very straightforward and trustworthy. Uh, we had a very good dialogue. I was able to um, get a sense of his soul. He's a man deeply committed to his country and the best interests of his country. Uh, and I appreciated so very much the frank dialogue. The Bush administration did not see the Russian Federation as the threat. Cold War was over. Russia was essentially broken just exiting a phase where the government was more closely aligned to organized crime than a government. George W. Bush had two nicknames for Putin, Ostrich Legs and Pooty Poot. And at the time, religious extremism was the new enemy. In 1999, over a period of two weeks, Russia accused extremists from Chechnya of bombing malls and apartment buildings in Russia and Dagestan, killing over 350 people. The United States Department of State said in early 2000 they saw no evidence that Chechnya was involved. And to this day, then Prime Minister Putin is accused of orchestrating a false flag with the FSB to bolster public support for a second war against Chechnya and his presidential campaign to be elected as president of the Russian Federation. With the Cold War over and official policy in Washington that Islamic extremism was the biggest threat, Russia was a partner. Less than three months after Bush said he could see into Putin's soul, the 9-11 attacks happened. Why is any of this important? Because this cemented a fundamental shift in United States and NATO military policy. A regional or continental land war in Europe was not the main threat. Eisenhower's warning of the dominoes falling if communism is established in other parts of the world also didn't come to be. Communism was defeated, although the Soviet Union wasn't even close to communism. Rapid response to regional hotspots and anti-terror campaigns needed a new military, command and control structures, and equipment. The United States no longer needed vast ammunition and spare parts reserves to support a land war in Europe. Even the military equipment had to change. In 2004, a number of former Warsaw Pact nations joined NATO. Western Europe breathed a sigh of relief and started reaping a peace dividend. It should have been a red flag when Russia invaded Georgia in 2008. It should have been a red flag when President Vladimir Putin wrote down his intentions and vision to reestablish Russia's imperial borders in 2011. It should have been a red flag in 2014 when Russia started its war of aggression and occupied Crimea and supported the criminal-led so-called republics of the Donetsk and Luhansk People's Republic. It should have been a red flag with the little green men. Even in 2022, a land war in Europe on the scale of World War II seems impossible. Yet, 503 days later, here we are. Some NATO members appear to be clinging to the belief that 
Moscow can eventually be contained through negotiations, economic sanctions, or battlefield exhaustion. My opinion, the Kremlin will keep sending its citizens to war in Ukraine if they have to equip them with pitchforks and slingshots and issue burlap sacks as uniforms. If the goal is no longer to win, which by Russia's February 22nd, 2022 stated goals are impossible, then the goal is to exhaust the West and freeze the conflict. That's a war Russia can definitely win. Rebuild, re-equip, and start over. And when you look at the chessboard, it's about the only move that Kremlin has left. Everything else is in the realm of the unthinkable or go home. And Moscow has no intentions of going home. Ukraine continues to fight with one hand tied behind its back. If NATO allies expect Ukraine to adopt NATO military standards, but won't equip Ukraine to fight following those standards, Ukraine will never meet the conditions to develop a pure military while at war. It is an impossible task. It almost feels like a slap in the face to imply Ukraine needs to elevate its military and security structures to NATO standards when it has been jointly training with NATO since 2014 and other NATO members are fielding M60 tanks, M113 armored personnel carriers, F4s, and MiG-21s. Some NATO nations that are wealthy, democratic, have low corruption, treat their militaries as little more than underfunded ceremonial forces. The only way Russia will recognize Ukraine's 1991 borders is through military force or a seismic shift in the Russian government. If Russia holds even one square meter of Ukrainian territory when peace is finally agreed to, Moscow will interpret that as a victory and Western appeasement. Then, as the Western NATO wrings their hands over Ukrainian NATO membership during Reconstruction, Diplomats can drag that discussion out just long enough where we could end up back to 2014. Putin is weak and has surrounded himself with incompetence, causing unspeakable suffering, and not just in Ukraine, but Syria, the Central African Republic, Mali, Sudan, and his own people. Russia is exposed for the paper tiger that it is, but Russia loves a frozen conflict, and Russia will wait decades if needed, to get its vengeance. There's over 300 years of history that shows this. Ukraine and its supporters weren't looking for full NATO membership today or NATO making an Article 5 declaration against the Russian Federation. They were hoping for political bravery from Vilnius. They were hoping for actionable and clear goals for NATO accession. And instead, it was just more of the same. Thank you for listening today. We know many of you are missing the Daily Situation Reports update, and I want to thank our audience for standing with us during this transition. You become a patron for as little as $5 a month and get access to the written Daily Situation Reports and Interim Flash Reports. The podcast was based off of those. There is a link in the podcast description, or you can find us by searching for Malcontent News on Patreon. It keeps you informed during this transition and backs the rest of the team. Regular daily podcast will return with a human host. Something's brewing. It's just taking a little longer than what we want. And that's what we know. My name is David Obeltz. I'm the chief content officer for Malcontent News. And there's so much awful in the world. Please be good to each other. 
You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.